Help is needed now more than ever. Susan G. Komen established the Komen COVID-19 Action Fund to support urgent needs among our breast cancer community today. Whether it's providing answers and counsel for those who can't see a doctor in person to those that need financial or treatment assistance. Visit coronavirus.komen.org and donate today. Support for Real Paint comes from Genentech, a member of the Roche Group, who pursues groundbreaking science to discover and develop medicines for people with breast cancer. Learn more at gene.com. That's G-E-N-E.com. From Susan G. Komen, this is Real Pink, a podcast exploring real stories, struggles, and triumphs related to breast cancer. We're taking the conversation from the doctor's office to your living room. Living with metastatic breast cancer is overwhelming. There's a lot of information to process, emotions to deal with, and a constant balancing act between the reality of dealing with your disease and trying to stay present and live your best life. On top of that, you're also at higher risk for complications associated with viruses and other illnesses, due to having a weakened immune system. Here to share her story of recently fighting through a COVID-19 diagnosis while living with and undergoing treatment for metastatic breast cancer is the executive director of Susan G. Komen Central in Eastern Virginia, Kristen Harris. Kristen, welcome to the show. Thank you, Adam. I'm honored and grateful to be here. Well, I'm really excited to talk to you. This is really timely. Um, I understand that you have a long history of breast cancer in your family. So can you start by telling us a little bit more about your personal breast cancer journey? Sure. Well, I tell you, Adam, pink ribbons have really been the thread of my story for as long as I can remember. I remember being four years old when my mother was first diagnosed with breast cancer at age 33. She was stage three. Um, this was back in the very early 80s. Had a radical mastectomy at the time, pretty aggressive chemo, and um, it was somewhat unknown prognosis. And you know, I was all of four years old and my brother was less than a year. Mm. I remember trailing after her uh, through her fight when she was interviewed just like this and on TV and sort of in my heart of hearts at a very young age committing to myself that I wanted to take up this banner one day and fight for this cause. I saw how she brought joy and courage, strength to others, and I knew that I would probably do this one day too. What I didn't know is how or the rest of the why. But my mother was diagnosed again 20 years later when I was 24 with metastatic breast cancer. At that point, it was fairly advanced, very advanced actually, and terminal. Um, and I moved home. I was in grad school at the time, and I moved home to be her primary caregiver. I didn't know what I was doing. I was 24 years old, didn't know anything about the, the drugs or the process, but I learned quickly and worked with our hospice nurses very closely to give her the most wonderful last few months that we could. But it also changed my life because I had powerful conversations at that time about what is my purpose? And mm really matters. Um, how does someone prepare to leave this world? And what are the questions that you ask and things that you think about? So I sort of encountered mortality from that angle at a very young age. But little did I know that just a few years later, when I was 32, I was diagnosed myself with mm. age three breast cancer that had already metastasized to my lymph nodes. And I too had a bilateral mastectomy, um, what ended up being 19 months of chemo and six weeks of radiation. So we really threw everything at it but the kitchen sink. Wow. Colleges said at the time, you know, we took a very aggressive approach. It was 
what we in the breast cancer world call triple positive. So ER, PR positive, HER2 positive breast cancer. Um, I was also the fourth generation in my family to be diagnosed with cancer. Um, but again, because I'm lucky to live in this generation and I have technology and medications, care that didn't exist for generations before me. So we went after it. But then I have to admit, I was surprised when just a few years later in 2016, I was diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer, meaning breast cancer that is spread beyond um, the breast region to other parts of your body, in this case, the bones, my bones, and is technically stage four, but that was 2016. I've been in treatment ever since, and now I'm closing in on four years of living, and I underscore that word living, with metastatic breast cancer. So to build off of that, you're, you're living with metastatic breast cancer. In the past few weeks, you've also been battling through COVID-19 as well. Like, What has that experience been like for you? Yes, again, I'm grateful. I'm so grateful to be here because in spite of having metastatic breast cancer and being currently in treatment, I had a relatively mild COVID-19 case. So I want to underscore that because I know there are others and maybe even some families or individuals watching right now who have cases that were worse than mine. I don't take it for granted and I don't take it lightly that somehow I just got lucky and I was able to be treated at home and didn't even have to be admitted to the hospital with my COVID-19 case. I was monitored closely by my oncology team through virtual appointments like this through telehealth. And I was able to stay out of the hospital and recover at home. But it's been about four weeks now since I first presented with symptoms. And to be honest, Adam, the first 10 days were no joke. It was, it was rough. This, is, this virus is no joke. It, and we all know that. It's, it's claiming lives and it's unpredictable and almost unfathomable time in the life of our country and so many individuals. And it was interesting for me because I... Oddly enough, in my conversations around my, my COVID diagnosis and in watching groups around me, my coworkers and even family members, I started seeing some parallels between the COVID-19 experience that we're all sharing together and what it's like in the day-to-day -to, -day to live with a chronic disease, to live with mm. breast cancer. And it was because I expressed that in one of our team meetings, you know, at Komen, that I ended up being invited to, to, to sit down and talk with you, Adam. Well, let's, let's talk more about that. What are some of the similarities uh, that, that you saw there? So what I shared with my colleagues was when you're first diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer, it's much like what I was seeing in folks around me as we were living through the early weeks of COVID-19 together. And there's right. uncertainty. The anxiety, the unknown, struggling with the randomness, knowing that some will survive and some won't. And to a certain degree, you don't know why some have an easier case than others entirely. We know that some are predisposed with comorbidities, um, advanced age, you know, some of these things that both metastatic breast cancer and COVID-19 have in common in raising some of your risk factors and prognosis. But there's still a randomness to it that, you know, creates that anxiety. So I was watching my peers struggle with this fear and anxiety, and I knew something about that, what it's like to live with that in the day-to-day. -day. But then what I also realized on the heels of that is because of my experience with NBC, metastatic breast cancer, um, I got a toolbox, a toolbox of ways to cope with this that I can share right now. Yeah. Um, so that's what I started doing. You know, I said, you know, here's what I've learned. 
after you know almost four years of living with NBC. It's that initially the fear is brings that NBC diagnosis right here, you know, right to the forefront of your mind and your family member. And it makes you race to figure out a care plan. Sometimes the symptoms are so imminent that you have to address them immediately. Doing that is number one, the physical symptoms. But over time, as you do everything from figure out your, you know, your medical care plan, figure out that cadence, what is that going to look like? Then you figure out your finances. You know, how, how am I going to figure this out financially? What are the changes um, that I need to make or have been made for me? And then, you know, you do things, you take care of things like, you know, a will or a, a living will. And, you know, some of these really pragmatic things that are hard to think about and make you feel suddenly like you're living as if you're dying. But you almost feel like, you know, when you have a stage four diagnosis, you kind of have to. Yeah. And then you settle into a new normal and you wait. And you wait to see what happens next. How long is this going to last? Is my situation going to get worse or better? Am I going to be one of the lucky ones that gets to live with this for 5, 10, 20 years and beyond? And like I said, Adam, there's a randomness to that. You don't know. And while I say that, that's when you realize you're, you're living in treatment always. And it's chronic. Being in treatment all the time is ever comfortable. But it becomes familiar. I shared with my coworkers that I got to a point where I realized, all right, this is my new normal. And I can either keep living, expecting to die, or I can live to live. That I might be one of those that gets to live today, tomorrow, five years, and 10 years, and beyond. And I want to be sensitive to my other friends who are metastatic and recognize upfront that that is not always the case. And I, it breaks my heart to know that it isn't. And we fight every day at Komen to change that reality. Yeah. To stretch that to be much longer. But today, as someone who has been one of the lucky ones, I, I guess I'm here to share a little bit about what some of that psychosocial journey is like, what the emotional part has been like for me, and how others around me have, have taught me to turn that into transformational growth. Wow, Kristen, I love that. I mean, so so a couple of things come to mind. Number one, I've, I've interviewed many, many metastatic breast cancer um, individuals and, and it never occurred to me that what we are feeling as a collective community, uh, as a people, as a world is very similar in, in what all of you have felt for so long, that uncertainty. And so I'm, I'm actually, I find myself, as you're talking, I find myself actually very thankful for this opportunity to be able to better empathize with what you're going through. Um, so I really appreciate that insight. And then, and then also, if I can just maybe sum up for just a moment, I think what I'm hearing you say is that when you don't, when, when the future becomes less certain in any capacity with its COVID-19 or, or metastatic rescue, but when the future becomes less certain, what you have is this moment and you can choose, are you going to live in fear? Or are you going to live to live? I think that's what you said, right? It's true. And that's, I'm so grateful for what you just shared, Adam, and that it did create an extra awareness of empathy for you, because that is the whole reason I wanted to talk today to you in the world, to share from my own journey, because I've often wished that I could have figured out a few of these things that I've learned in the past few years without having to have metastatic breast cancer, you know, without a, a, you know, a stage four cancer diagnosis, you know, could I talk to my earlier self? And if I did, what would I say? And that's when I realized that's my gift at this point to the world. Sometimes folks 
um, come to this world with a natural ability to put themselves in other people's shoes. They're the empaths around us. They're some of the nurses and the caregivers and those that are caring for so many right now who can just come to this world and somehow feel and experience and relate to others' journeys. Some of us who, who understand it better once we've walked more closely. I want to channel, draw from my experience of having been the daughter of a survivor, um, the caregiver, terminal metastatic breast cancer survivor, a young survivor with breast cancer going through this journey, and now someone I'm 40, you know, living at a, a relatively young age with metastatic breast cancer. Well, all of that together in this time of COVID and sort of weave together some of these lessons and help us not waste, not waste this moment in the journey and realize that sometimes in life, whether it's a cancer diagnosis or anything, suffering and hard things are going to happen in this life, whether it's now or later. That's just the truth of it. How do we take these moments of suffering, validate, you know, give credence to the moment and say, you know, these emotions we're all experiencing are real. There's yeah. nothing wrong with fear and anxiety. Some of these are protective emotions. Right. And, and I'm not a, psych, a psychologist, psychiatrist, a counselor, any that I'm a lay person. I'm just Kristen. Today, I am just your friend, Kristen, on this walk with you. But in, in, my, in my journey, I feel like there's value in validating those emotions and that experience in the present because it can be so overwhelming. But then find our power in it. Mm. Is recognizing that, yeah, sometimes bad things happen to us. Sometimes we bring them on ourselves. Sometimes just life happens, you know, and it gets yeah. rough. Right. Where is our power? And our power is in our choice not to waste the suffering, but instead to turn it into growth mm. and, and ask ourselves, what have I learned from this? And beyond that, what can I do with it? Mm. That's right. How can I make the world a better place? How, what, what do I give to the world? And then how do I bring it others together? How do we change the world? How do we change the future for ourselves and for the next generation because of what we've experienced? Wow. Kristen, I mean, that's just so profound, so fantastic. The, the one thing that I heard you say that just resonated with me, I took a note right here is our power is in our choice not to waste our suffering. That's just utterly profound. I can't thank you enough for sharing that. I call it my post-cancer existential headspace. Like I jokingly call that like what these moments are. You know, when you live with metastatic breast cancer, it never goes away. There's, there's going to be an end to COVID-19. There's going to be an end to the quarantine. Where yeah. this diverges is there won't be an end to the suffering and loss that some people have experienced through COVID-19. And there won't be an end to treatment and suffering and loss that some people have experienced with cancer. You carry that loss always. And the next phase will be the next phase of grief. Whether you've lost someone to either of these circumstances right now, or you're one of the lucky ones that gets to recover right now, or one of the lucky ones who's never had it. What can we all learn together as we wade through? And it's that it takes time. You know, time is one of our unrenewable resources. It's precious. It's precious to those of us who are facing, you know, a stage four or metastatic disease and we get more time. But it's also the gift in the day to day. Today we have time. Yeah. We have time. And what are we going to do with that? Darn it. You know, um, you know, as I've been living through the metastatic journey in the day to day, I found solace in my little cocoon, in my little home office. I found solace in my backyard. Mm. I love flowers. I love, I, I love horticultural therapy. I love my garden. 
And this is someone who prior to NBC, I, I will tell you, could not grow a darn thing. <laughs> Turns out what I learned in all of that is you have to try. Part of my therapy ended up being my gardening. Mm. But I would go out there and there was something about, for me, um, nurturing life, nurturing something that I could watch grow and bloom and flower and brought all this color and life and joy to the world and to my world. My backyard garden became my sanctuary. Mm. It was an activity that I could do, but more than that, it became the place where I embraced prayer and meditation, my quiet time, my think time. Yeah. Those themes of, you know, what is my purpose in this life, in this life right now? Authenticity, you know, what is my truth? Themes like legacy. What do I, what do I leave to this world? How do I leave my mark on this world? became these really profound things that I, I found myself thinking about and wanting to think about. In conversation with my other friends who are going through cancer at any stage, and especially my metastatic buddies, these were recurring themes for all of us. Yeah. How do we tell our truth? How can, how can we be our truth? Be authentic every day and have authentic conversations. Take the mask off and be real. And that's what today is about. Today is just Kristen. No other hat. This is just Kristen. But you know what? Whether you have NBC or you've been through this journey, honestly, Adam, all of us today at home, you know, while we're, you know, staying at home to take care of others with metastatic breast cancer, others with pre-existing conditions, folks who are older than us, you know, who are at higher risk, while we're taking care of each other, how can we grow ourselves? You know, what yeah. is your purpose in this world? And what are our dreams? Yeah. Yeah. These are great questions. I love them. And, and, and what I love also is that we're at a unique moment in time where we can slow down enough to ask these questions. And I think there's a lot, a lot of value in that. So, so don't waste uh, it, right? Adam? Uh, like, yeah, don't it's not, waste it. Not waste it. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's the that theme. Moment. That's the theme of your talk. Don't waste it. Don't waste your opportunity. Don't waste your time. Don't waste your suffering. Don't waste it. I love that. Don't waste that. a minute. Well, I have That's to right. I have to give credit to a modern day sage. I love me some Chip and Joanna Gaines. You know, I mean, they are watching um, episodes of Fixer Upper is my guilty pleasure, right? <laughs> and I have to give a shout out because they, you know, one day, so I was in the garden and just, just reading through my emails. This was like a year or so ago, a year and a half ago. And I got an email um, because I had subscribed to their mailing list. And um, it was about this thing they were doing called a chip starter. Mm -hmm. Essentially, you can apply for a small grant mm -hmm. to try to start, you know, it's, it's and I, I too have a spirit of entrepreneurship. Um, so to, you know, jumpstart, to chip start something that you're really passionate about. And it got me to thinking, yeah. if someone would give me just a little bit of funding, a little, you know, a little bit of a chance, a little bit of money, a little bit of time, you know, what would I do? But isn't that what this opportunity is for all of us? Mm, but yeah. seriously, you know, what would I do? How do I live boldly, fearlessly? How do I make the most of today and every day? Yeah, I love that. To learn from our experiences to make our lives better, our world better, and our greater world better. I love that. Well, Kristen, this has been amazing. You are a ray of sunshine uh, in my office with no windows. So I really appreciate that <laughs> today. It's been, I mean, just a pleasure to talk to you. We will, we will absolutely have to do this again. Likewise. I'm grateful in every way to be here. And thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to Real Pink, a weekly podcast by Susan G. Komen. 
For more episodes, visit realpink.coman.org. And for more on breast cancer, visit coman.org. Make sure to check out at Susan G. Komen on social media. I'm your host, Adam. You can find me on Twitter at AJ Walker or on my blog, adamjwalker.com. Thanks to Genentech for supporting Real Pink. To find out more about Genentech's latest advancements, visit gene.com. That's G-E-N-E dot com.